I'm Ken Sandberg. And I'm Heather Michelle Lawler. Welcome to Campfire Classics, where we try to read those books that look really good on your shelf. It's fucking windy outside right now. Can you hear that? that you just made oh, absolutely wreaked havoc on the microphone. Oh, good. Much, much worse than anything going on outside. You're welcome, listeners. That well, my voice teacher would be very disappointed in my interpretation of wind in that moment. On yeah, you couldn't, you couldn't like, put, put your hand in front of the thing, so you just get this. Oh, look at you, you professional. Hey, <laughs> someone's got to be a goddamn um, professional around I was here. being... Spontaneous. I was not expecting to make the dumbest wind noise I have ever made in my life, but it happened, and I've accepted it. That's all right. In fairness, I also, while putting my hand in front of the microphone to stop the whooshing sound from hitting it, hit the microphone, punched the microphone. That's what I'm talking about. That's karma, fuckers. That's it. That's it right there. So, uh, hello. Welcome to a new uh, episode of Campfire Classics. We do try to read those books that look really good on your shelf. But although, usually we chat for like 15, 20 minutes beforehand about nothing. Also, full disclosure, <laughs> very rarely are we reading from an actual book on anyone's shelf. Except for a couple weeks ago. I did say rarely. That's true. We we had that M.R. James book that my parents randomly had, and then we had the amazing book that Foggy Pines Books sent us. Foggy Pine. I I know. That, the sorry. books are plural. The pine, <laughs> pine is, singular. is singular. The fog is dense. Foggy pine, we're still, that is still available we, we for still your usage. You, you just got to give us credit. Yeah. I just, I, I, I want there to be multiple trees because I like trees and that's, that's all. Yeah. <laughs> but then it's not a mystical, magical place like Foggy Pine Bookstore. So yeah. I feel like we're doing an ad a for lone, them right now. <laughs> a lone pine in the fog. Yeah. And what makes it mystical is that all of these books come out of that pine, but the pine is never chopped down. Oh, that would be... I want a book tree. Oh, that'd be great. It's like the best version of the giving tree ever. That's great, because then you don't have to kill trees. Then then there should be a toilet paper tree and like a paper (laughs) towel tree. And like, that's just what they grow instead of fruit. They grow these things so we don't have to chop them down. I feel like... Foggy Pine toilet paper doesn't have the same <laughs> ring. Foggy Pine TP. It it also it's the alliteration is too close to soggy pine toilet paper, <laughs> and you just don't want soggy and toilet paper in the same. This um, doesn't work. That's true. Ultra absorbent <laughs> soggy pine toilet paper. All right. Well, that's what we did. So uh, we do have a few things to talk about this week, which, you we know, do. that isn't just random shit like toilet paper trees. Um, shit, toilet paper. I, no, I got. I you, went there with I, you. Okay, cool. I took the leap. Uh, I, but thank you for explaining it. That did make it funnier. <laughs> Sometimes I impress myself when I just talk and I go, I just made a joke. I need to make sure everyone heard it because I'm not really funny. Um so uh, this week we are running our uh, Patreon drive. Yeah, it's that's our still first going. ever Patreon drive. And we said if we get five patrons, new patrons on Patreon by April 1st, Ken will release a calendar for 2022 of Ken dressed as multiple different, well, 12, I guess 12 because it's months. Presumably, yeah. <laughs> 
12 slutty animal Halloween costumes. Like, so he'll be a sexy mouse and a sexy uh, fox and a sexy uh, Oompa Loompa. I no, they will. There will be no fictional animals, <laughs> no Oompa Loompas, no unicorns, no, no duck-billed platypus. No, you, what? And platypuses are real, you dumbass. He tried to sneak that in there. There will be a sexy unicorn. I guarantee it. <laughs> if for nothing else, so I can sell them to my uh, friends at Mark Fisher Fitness, my awesome gym in New York, uh, the right. unicorn. If, if you can... Um Convert it into money, then I might make an exception for the fictional. We'll, we'll, we'll do it for like for Halloween, because then you could be something magical. There we go. Every that other works. month, it's got to be like a theme. Like probably for May or April, you will be a sexy bunny. Like we'll make it theme appropriate. Be a sexy reindeer. Like so, I'm just saying, if you become a patron, uh, go to Patreon.com. It's uh, Patreon.com slash 5050 Arts Production, all one word, 5050 Arts Production. For first-time listeners, that's because 5050 Arts Production is the parent company that produces and sponsors Campfire Classics. Which we also run, so it's the same so it's, thing. It's all, it's it's all, all us. us. Um, we, we just, just like to make it confusing. complicated yeah. by naming it too many different things. Uh, that's what we do good, um, but... You'll get there and it'll say 5050 Arts Production and Campfire Classics Podcast. You can become a patron for as little as $2 a month. So it's less than a cup of coffee at Starbucks. And like if you do it and stay for, I think we said three months at least. So like it'll cost you $6. Um, you will get a free copy of the uh, calendar if you are still a patron when it's released. And uh, you will be credited as a patron, and uh, you will be giving the world the gift of Ken <laughs> and me the gift. And like everyone's like, and like your mom, your mom was like, I don't know how I feel about this Patreon drive. <laughs> and I was like, I fully support it. Uh, well, it'll, it'll be, be done tasteful. very. T- it's very tasteful. This is not like Playgirl. <laughs> this is this is a uh, this is all in good fun like I I keep telling people think mean girls like when they're like when they're like uh I'm a mouse duh (laughs) so it's like that so speaking of tell me tell me tell me how's that drive going it's actually going well we got two new patrons this week so we are almost halfway there and we've got three more days when this comes out well two more days so uh get on it y'all like seriously two dollars two dollars a month like you can, if you go to our website, campfireclassics.com, you can also get to that page if you're worried about finding us. So our new patrons, uh, one is a lovely uh, friend of mine from New York City who has joined, um, and he prefers to go by his uh, nickname, uh, and his name is The Hole. You know who you are. <laughs> Ken's like rubbing his eyes right now. I'm going to... <laughs> I'm going to take the the um, the obscure '90s sitcom reference high road and assume that he likes to be called the whole because he's a big fan of Alan Cummings' one appearance in the show Third Rock from the Sun. Where he plays the whole. Where he plays a character named the whole, who is a whole expert who has to get uh, Dick. And Harry out of a hole. Okay. Knowing this person, that would not fully surprise me <laughs> if it's Alan Cumming playing the part. 
So uh, he also goes by Sebastian. That's his stage name. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, you're amazing, and we love you. And we also had a second patron that would like to go by not their actual name, but because it is another podcast that oh. has uh, decided to patronize us. I, I love that it's like every time I say it, I'm like, that can't be right. Patronize us, but you're, you're patronizing us. Patronize it, yeah. Um, <laughs> the sup- it's a confusing yes. word. Yes. The Superiority Complex Podcast. So uh, his name is Mario, and he's one of the hosts of this podcast. But we want to give a huge thank you to the Superiority Complex podcast. They reached out. They enjoy the podcast a lot, and they they are encouraging of Ken's shirtlessness. Oh, that's great. And I I like the sound of the Superiority Complex. That sounds... Supporting you. um, That sounds pretentious and condescending in just the right kind of way. In the Ken kind of way. So (laughs) it just seems appropriate. So the whole... And the Superiority Complex podcast, which you should go listen to. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. If we can get three more people at, in, at, in at the next minimum, 48 hours, up to $2, just two, $2. Uh, two, I want my $2. That's in uh, Better Off Dead from the 80s. I just <laughs> aged myself so hard. Uh, speaking of aging ourselves, we also have another shout out to do, which is a. Uh, um, podcast promo. We should throw yeah. that in there. And I thought of that because in one of the recent episodes, they went all Bobby's world, and Ken and I both were like, "Oh my god!" Yeah. We, so we started. We started this episode. Um, I believe it was it was the episode on um, uh, women's 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 sexuality. Yeah. Women, that like that the, was the. The construct of virginity and all that stuff, which yeah. is a really great discussion. Um, but like, for, so I would like I was getting prepared for like, okay, this is going to be an intense sort of deep dive, and like forty five seconds in, I'm like, is that a fucking Bobby's World joke? They're like Bobby, eh? and I went, oh, but we're gonna play their we're gonna play their promo now. It's called Thanks, I Hate It. Hi, it's Brittany and Windsor, and we want you to listen to Thanks, I Hate It. We're a social commentary podcast where two moms talk about anything and everything, throw shade at unsuspecting targets, and drink from the bottom shelf while not taking ourselves too seriously. We're a podcast that wants you to know the facts and to get a few laughs along the way. So if you think love is love, Black Lives Matter, and that Rachel was the most annoying character on Glee, then hit the subscribe button to have chaos and foolishness dropped into your feed every Tuesday. Thanks I Hate It is not a cure for seasonal depression, financial woes, or erectile dysfunction. If you hear podcasts that last over four hours, please consult Thanks I Hate It because we hate it too. <laughs> oh my God, that promo's right. amazing. That's great. A lot to dig into there. Um, oh my God, I'm obsessed with them. Uh, uh, so yeah, podcasts lasting more than four hours, although we've definitely had a couple of episodes that before I edit them were damn close. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but that's what editing's for. That's what editing's for. Um, also, uh, Rachel, most annoying character on Glee. For sure. Maybe. Definitely the most annoying character on Friends. Well, yeah. Like, oh my God, what am I doing? Is it (laughs) just a character's named Rachel thing? Yeah, I have a lot of friends named Rachel, and they I, I are am, not. I'm not judging no. humans named Rachel. Know, I'm well, saying, is it a character's name, Rachel? This is thing? coming from a girl named Heather, who the only characters that I'm 
are ever named Heather in movies are the bitches or the dumb ones. So, um, which I don't think I'm either. I mean, I'm kind of bitchy sometimes. You've, but you've like, got a whole terrifying movie named after you. I sure fucking do, <laughs> and it's fantastic. Well, we're going into the 80s deep also, dives hard today. It's also a musical. Yeah, well, based on the movie, uh, yeah, it's, um, you know. But yes, Rachel's are usually portrayed as kind of annoying, ditz, d- like, um, narcissistic people, but that's not to real Rachel's, but yeah, she is the most annoying. And, uh, that was a, f- I, I very much enjoyed that, that promo. <laughs> I'm still laughing. <laughs> I'm like, that was really funny. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, do, do go check out. Thanks. I hate it. Um, the, uh, they're very funny. They're clearly not afraid to Offend. take, um, <laughs> both, uh, high blows and shots below the belt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, Brittany Windsor, awesome. We uh, we highly encourage you to go check that out. And uh, you can find links to all of their stuff in our little, you know, show doobly notes. blurb or thing just about the show notes. Literally, uh, you can type in thanks, I hate it, anywhere that you get podcasts. Yeah. Just like Campfire Classics, and it worked because you're here. <laughs> 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 so yeah, that's. Uh, I think that's all our business today is that is that it for old business That's old business shall, shall we on do do i have a motion to carry on to new business i like some new business second all right wow we have a ornery production team in here today and a very like there must be a helium balloon in, or something in the house. Like, that yeah. was weird so uh on to new business we're we're gonna move on to um what you came here for yeah baby this is <laughs> Campfire Classics After Dark. That's how we're going to premiere the calendar if it happens. Yeah. <laughs> uh, actually, no. This this isn't. Uh, this isn't Campfire Classics After Dark. This is just Campfire Classics. Uh, it's for actually a, in the morning because we're drinking coffee. Yeah, we're so. actually recording relatively early. By in the morning, 1.30 in the afternoon. Um, that is the morning for me. Uh, <laughs> But for anyone who might be a new listener, because as I'm very fond of saying, every episode is somebody's first episode, um, what we do is we read classic stories by classic authors and we try to get through them without making everything into a penis joke. We have yet to succeed. We have yet to succeed. <laughs> but before uh, before reading the stories, we like to start with a few fun facts. So because you get uh, to learn while you laugh, it's it's edutainment. Um, <laughs> so each week we take turns picking a story for the other person to read. This week was my turn to pick a story, therefore I'm also doing the fun facts. So this week's fun facts have nothing to do with the story oh. that Heather will be reading. Oh, good, absolutely oh. nothing, because uh. I decided that this week's fun facts would be about an author that we recently lost. One, Beverly Cleary. Oh, yes. But since she died like five days ago, none of her work is in public domain, so I picked a story by an author we've already read so that I could give fun (laughs) facts about her instead, and you can just go back and listen to fun facts about today's author from previous episodes. And then go get a Ramona book. And And then go get a Ramona book and read that. So, Beverly Cleary, born Beverly Bunn, was born on April 12th, 1916, which means when she died on March 25th, 2021, she was 104 years old. Yes, she was. She was weeks shy of her 105th birthday. That's so amazing. Uh, She is one of America's most successful authors, 
with 91 million copies of her books having been sold worldwide, translated into 29 languages since her books were first published in 1950. This is a woman in the 1950s kicking ass yep. and taking names. Uh, so her best-known characters are Ramona and Beezus Quimby, Henry Huggins, and his dog, Ribsy. <laughs> Ribsy. Uh, and Ralph the Mouse. I remember him. So included in her many honors during her lifetime, she received the 1981 National Book Award and the 1984 Newbery Medal. For her lifetime of contributions to American literature, she received the National Medal of Arts, recognition as a Library of Congress living legend, and the Laura Ingalls Wilder Medal from the Association of Library Service to Children. The Beverly Cleary School, a public school in Portland, was named after her, and several statues of her most famous characters were erected in the Grant Park neighborhood of Portland, where she was raised. Damn. So she was actually born and spent her first few years living in a rural farm community in Oregon. Okay. But her family moved to Portland just in time for her to start school, and apparently the adjustment period from country living to city living was not particularly easy for her. It caused her to struggle in school. Specifically, she had difficulty reading. That is actually, like, bad students and people that didn't like or weren't great at reading become writers. It's kind of amazing. A, a quote from her. The first grade was sorted into three reading groups, bluebirds, redbirds, and blackbirds. I was a blackbird. To be a blackbird was to be disgraced. I wanted to read, but somehow could not. But wait, it gets better. Oh no. When she did finally overcome her difficulty reading, she found she didn't like it. (laughs) Not because she didn't like reading, but she complained that the stories were too predictable and unsurprising, and that the authors wrote boring characters and needed more humor. Damn right. Finally, she ran across the book The Dutch Twins by Lucy Fitch Perkins. She started writing, and by sixth grade, had teachers recommending that she consider becoming an author herself. By sixth grade? Yep. Okay. She went to UC Berkeley, where she picked up a bachelor's in English and a future husband. (laughs) How very 1950s of her. (laughs) Because she was raised Presbyterian and he was Catholic, they had to go elope because their families did not approve. Wait, when would she have been, she would have been in college in like... The late 30s. Yep. Oh, shit. How, yeah, how very 1930s. It's like very Mona Lisa smile moment yep. shit. Yeah. Uh, so they, they went to elope, but before they got married, she decided to go get a second degree from the University of Washington. Uh, this this won a degree in library sciences. Okay. <gasps> She's going to become Mary and the librarian. <laughs> so during World War II, she was the librarian at the U.S. Army Hospital in Oakland. And when the war ended, she and her husband, Clarence, moved to Carmel. Yeah. Then she started writing. She's now solidly into her 30s when she actually starts writing. Up until then, she's been sort of basically a student and then a librarian. Yeah. So reading and and coming up with ideas. Yeah. So uh, she said, quote, I believe in that missionary spirit among children's librarians. 
Kids deserve books of literary quality, and librarians are so important in encouraging them to read and selecting books that are appropriate. Basically, she didn't see enough books at the library that she felt she could recommend to young readers that would actually engage them and encourage them and entertain them and keep them reading. So she started writing them herself. Hell yeah. She saw a problem and she fixed it. Her first book was published in 1950. At one point, uh, her publisher told her she needed to write a story that focused on a kindergartner. Uh, She resisted because she never attended kindergarten. She went straight to first grade. But after giving birth to her twin children, she changed her mind. Aww. Uh, She and Clarence were married for 64 years, living together in their modest condo in Carmel, despite being multi-millionaires. They were together for 64 years until he died in 2004. All right. She claims to have had an exceptionally happy career and has been critically praised for her works throughout her active publishing years from 1950 to 1999. Jesus! 49 years? Yep. All of this information came from the Beverly Cleary website, beverlycleary.com, Wikipedia, and several articles from places like CBS and the Chicago Tribune um, who, who posted life retrospectives. Shortly after she died just last week. Yay. What an amazing woman. Yeah. Thank so you, Beverly Cleary. I, I used to read the Ramona Quimby books. Like, I had them all. Yeah. Uh, I loved the uh, covers. The uh, illust- like the illustrations of them were so fun. And yeah. she had a little bob haircut and her bangs. And like, yeah. Well, yeah. and I know there so many people, especially getting less and less true now as they're being seen as sort of products of their time and a little outdated, but certainly for 40 years, 50 years, there were generations of children who started reading because With of, those. yeah, because of her books. Yeah. Um, so those thank were, you, Beverly Cleary. Thank you, Beverly Cleary. Those are scholastic, uh, book fair wins. Staples. Oh yeah. Yeah. Those are the good ones. So all of that for as lovely as it is, has nothing to do with today's story. <laughs> It's um, like, uh, just if, for fun. If you want fun facts on today's author, you can go check out episodes number three and eight. So this transition <gasps> might give you some mental whiplash, but this story is, is The Wells? Red Room by H.G. Wells, oh, no. which was first published <laughs> in March shit. 1896 edition of The Idler magazine. Okay, so before we dive right in, I knew it was H.G. Wells, because I remember episode three. It scarred me. Uh, <laughs> the star. Like, it scarred me in a really good way. It's fascinating. So, all right. Let's do this. Let's start let's the fire. Let's start this fire. Woohoo! The Red Room by H.G. Wells. I can assure you, I said, that it would take a very tangible ghost to frighten me. <laughs> Well, that's just, like, asking for it. That's foreshadowing. Well, fuck. And I stood up before the fire with my glass in my hand. It is your own choosing, said the man with the withered arm and glanced at me askance. Eight and twenty years, said I. I have... So he's 28, and he's going to be like, I've seen everything. I've seen it all. You can't scare me. Sit down, you youngin. Eight and twenty years, said I. I have lived. And never a ghost have I seen as yet. Okay, so he likes to he likes that. So read it. Think of it as Fraser speaking. I, that's exactly yeah. It's that's exactly who I'm in. It's like twenty yep. eight year old Fraser. It's Fraser from Cheers. <laughs> right. So 
He's not yet 30. He's already, in a bar. Already a receding hairline. He's in a bar holding a glass of, like, Merlot while everyone else is drinking <laughs> fucking Schlitz. And <laughs> he's like... Eight and twenty it's, years. It's the bottle of Merlot that he brought to the oh, bar yes, the, and left there so that there's always a bottle yeah, for him. He brings a case in and they open it just when he comes yep. in and he gives them nice tips. All right, this, this is that guy. I used to work in a bar and those people exist. <laughs> the old woman sat staring hard into the fire, her pale eyes wide open, she broke in. In eight and twenty years, you have lived and never seen the likes of this house, I reckon. <laughs> There's a many <laughs> things to see when one's still but eight and twenty. <laughs> this Sit woman down, is youngin. me. This, this woman is me. This woman is the witch next door. <laughs> like, she's like, Sit down, bitch. I got things to say. <laughs> she swayed her head slowly from side to side. A many things to see and sorrow for. <laughs> I half suspected the old people were trying to enhance the spiritual terrors of their house by droning insistence. <laughs> so he's like in some Airbnb or something. I put down my empty glass on the table and looked about the room and caught a glimpse of myself, abbreviated and broadened to an impossible sturdiness in the queer old mirror at the end of the room. Well, I said, if I see anything tonight, I shall be so much the wiser, for I come to the business with an open mind. He sounds pretty open-minded. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So it sounds like there's there he's in an old people's house that have either asked him to come and he's a ghost hunter or he's at an Airbnb and they're like, well, our house is haunted. And he's like, no, it's not. Either way, I'm immediately thinking of the the guy in Naked and Afraid who, for whatever reason, <laughs> keeps telling the people he's paired up with that he was once sat on by Bigfoot. Yes, the Bigfoot guy. <laughs> when I was 12 and Bigfoot sat on my face, I'm like, uh, what? <laughs> sit on my face sit and tell me face. that you love me. Sit on my face, I'll sit Bigfoot. on your face and tell you I love you, too. <laughs> With my apologies and gratitude to Monty Python for stealing their song. Oh, Monty Python. Amazing. Except, okay. I suppose, with Bigfoot, it would be, sit on my face and tell me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Maybe Bigfoot's nice and gentle with his face sitting. We don't We don't know. If anyone has had an encounter with Bigfoot sitting on their face, let us know. Yeah, we're not making fun of you. No. Unless you're that guy, in um, which case we kind of. Sorry. Sorry. It's your own choosing, said the man with the withered arm once more. I heard the faint sound of a stick and a shambling step on the flags in the passage outside. The door creaked on its hinges as a second old man entered, more bent, more wrinkled, more aged even than the first. He supported himself by the help of a crutch. His eyes were covered by a shade, and his lower lip, half-averted, hung pale and pink from its decaying yellow teeth. <laughs> Gross. He made straight for an armchair on the opposite side of the table, sat down clumsily, and began to cough. <laughs> I know this man. Uh, the man with the withered hand gave the newcomer a short glance of positive dislike. <laughs> Oh my god, I love the that oxymoron. I'm like, 
positive dislike. Oh, man. <laughs> the contradiction of that is amazing. I'm really hoping we're about to be shown a gang fight in the old folks' home. Yes. <laughs> it's like the sharks and the jets are here. Yeah, but it's like the sharks and the jets in 2020, but it's still the same actors who were playing them in the original oh, Broadway yeah. production. Oh, fuck yeah. And they're just all old. They're and, just all. Well, and their knees are all fucked up because they were dancers. Yep. So they can't really walk they anymore. They can't snap at each other anymore no. because their joints have arthritis. So they just like whack their canes on the ground. The one guy has a withered arm and he's just like slapping his leg with it. All right, now I have a visual. I we got like Fraser Crane and a bunch of... And a of geriatric production of West Side Story. <laughs> God. The man with the withered hand gave the newcomer a short glance of positive dislike, and the old woman took no notice of his arrival, but remained with her eyes fixed steadily on the fire. I said, it's your own choosing, said the man with the withered hand when the coughing had ceased for a while. It's my own choosing, I answered. The man with the shade became aware of my presence for the first time and threw his head back for a moment and sideways to see me. I caught a momentary glimpse of his eyes, small and bright and inflamed. Then he began to cough and sputter again. This is John Mahoney. <laughs> yeah. It's, yep. At his Irish pub that he used to yep. go to. Dukes. <laughs> I'd love that you remember that. I, I might have watched the show once or twice. Why don't you drink, said the man with the withered arm, pushing the beer toward him. The man with the shade poured out a glassful with a shaking hand that splashed half as much again on the deal table. A monstrous shadow of him crouched upon the wall. Crouched? Crouch. It's crouched, not crouched. <laughs> a monstrous shadow teabagged him. <laughs> And that's the ghost that is in this house. <laughs> it's a rude teabagging ghost. <laughs> the crotch of shame. <laughs> Jesus. The, <laughs> the monstrous shadow of him crouched upon the wall and mocked his action as he poured the drank. And it says drank, not drink. <laughs> Let me get my drank on. All right, so what's the dialect you're supposed to be reading this um, in? I'm guessing like northern I, England. As he poured the drank. Yeah, it's like pirate. Something sort of <laughs> Irish and there. Irish, Scottish, northern England, like that, that I will not be doing. All right. <laughs> not not going to give us your best Yorkshire? You guys, you know why. <laughs> I must confess, I had scarcely expected these grotesque custodians. <laughs> so, Fraser, There is, to my mind, something inhuman in, senil in senility. <laughs> oh, no, and he hates old people. Oh, what a dick. Yeah, this guy's a dick. There is, to my mind, something inhumane in senility, something crouching and ad atavistic? That's a new word. Atavistic, relating to or characterized by reversion to something ancient or ancestral. So it's a fancy way of saying Think really fucking old. Really old. Atavistic. Love it. All right. Something crouching and atavistic. The human qualities seem to drop from old people insensibly day by day. 
The three of them made me feel uncomfortable with their gaunt silences, their bent carriage, their evident unfriendliness to me and to one another. That night, perhaps, I was in the mood for uncomfortable impressions. I resolved to get away from their vague foreshadowings of the evil things upstairs. If, said I, you should show me this haunted room of yours, I will make myself comfortable there. (laughs) The old man with the cough jerked his head back so suddenly that it startled me and shot another glance of his red eyes at me from out of the darkness under the shade. But no one answered me. I waited a minute, glancing from one to the other, The old woman stared like a dead body glaring into the fire with lackluster eyes. If, said I a little louder, you will show me this haunted room of yours, (laughs) I will relieve you from the task of entertaining me. (laughs) Oh my God, I love it. There's a candle on the slab outside the door, said the man with the withered hand, looking at my feet as he addressed me. But if you go to the red room tonight, this night of all nights, said the old woman softly, you go alone. Yeah, alone was kind of the idea. I don't want you old people with me. I wasn't looking for your company and I don't get the impression you rent by the hour anyway. (laughs) You go alone. Very well, I answered shortly, and which way do I go? (laughs) (laughs) You go along the passage for a bit, he said, nodding his head on his shoulder at the door, until you come to a spiral staircase, and on the second landing is a door covered with green bias. Go through that, and down the long corridor to the end, and the red room is on your left up the steps. Baez is that felt stuff, right? Yeah, that right? comes up a lot. That comes up a ton. It's like... This did, must... that, did that shit just cover doors all over the place I mean, in creepy old English country homes? Yeah, and we looked it up, and it's like what they put on like pool, on pool tables, tables and yeah. billiards it's, tables. It's like that green felted stuff. It's so weird that, that maybe it was like a sound dampener and probably an installation of some sort, maybe? Yes, that would make sense. That like covering it with like a fabric yeah. would like keep the wind out and stuff, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, I'm like it's that's like the third or fourth time that has come up in a huh. story. Learning things about um uh, construction and interior in decorating 1900s. in the late 19th century. Yeah. Have I got that right? I said and repeated his directions. He corrected me in one particular. Are you really going? said the man with the shade, looking <laughs> at me again for the third time with that queer unnatural tilting of his face. This night of all nights, whispered the old woman. It is what I came for, I said, and moved towards the door. So I did so, and the old man with the shade rose and staggered around the table so as to be closer to the others and to the fire. At the door, I turned and looked at them and saw they were all close together, dark against the firelight, staring at me over their shoulders with an intent expression on their ancient faces. Good night, I said, setting the door open. (laughs) It's your own choosing, said the man with the withered arm. 
I left the door wide open until the candle was well lit, and then I shut them in and walked down the chilly, echoing passage. So... Uh, dear listener, please let us know how you're casting this. We actually had someone who cast the lightning rod man <laughs> yeah. as uh, Rain Wilson and John Krasinski. So good. And I love that. That's brilliant. <laughs> it, and the person that cast Rain Wilson and John Krasinski was from Let Me Tell You Something, Bitch podcast. That's right. That's right. <laughs> let Me Tell You Something, Bitch. This recent episode of Campfire Classics has to be done by John Krasinski and Rain Wilson. That's right. Yeah. Which is beautiful. Um, but uh, so the cast I'm seeing for this so far is 28 year old Fraser Crane, mm-hmm. John Mahoney, mm-hmm. and Miracle Max and his wife Valerie. <laughs> so we've got Billy Crystal and uh, Carol, Carol Kane. Kane. Carol Kane. Yeah. Oh, it's so, that's amazing. So that's that's the cast I'm seeing in my head. Great. I am I am down. So off he goes into the creepy house leaving the old people. I must confess that the oddness of these three old pensioners in whose charge her ladyship had left the castle and the deep-toned old-fashioned furniture of the housekeeper's room in which they foregathered had affected me curiously in spite of my effort to keep myself at a matter-of-fact phrase. (laughs) The dick. They seemed to belong to another age, an older age, an age when things spiritual were indeed to be feared, when common sense was uncommon. God, I want this guy to get his ass kicked by a ghost. (laughs) An age when omens and witches were credible and ghosts beyond denying. Their very existence, I thought, is spectral, the cut of their clothing, fashions born in dead brains, the ornaments and conveniences in the room about them are even ghostly, and thoughts are vanished men, which still haunt rather than participate in the world of today. And the passage I was in, long and shadowy, was a film of moisture glistening on the wall, was as gaunt and cold a thing that is dead and rigid. But with an effort, I sent such thoughts to the right about. The long, drafty, subterranean passage was chilly and dusty, and my candle flared and made the shadows cower and quiver. I have an important question for our listeners. Okay. And this is specifically for the sector of our listeners who do not like the word moist. I knew you were going to say something about moisture. Does moisture upset the same way moist does? I'm just curious. Yeah, I, I it has never been a word that bothers me. So yeah, I would be interested. Um, so if 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 you're a person for whom like the shorter the the shorter version of the word is a problem, please please let us know. Yeah. If if one upsets you more than the other, or if by adding other syllables to it, it makes it safe. Yeah. Thank you. The long, drafty, subterranean passage was chilly and dusty, and my candle flared and made the shadows cower and quiver. The echoes rang up and down the spiral staircase, and a shadow came sweeping up after me, and another fled before me into the darkness overhead. I came to the wide landing and stopped there for a moment, listening to a rustling that I fancied I heard creeping up behind me, 
and then, satisfied of the absolute silence, I pushed open the unwilling Baez-covered door and stood in the silent corridor. The effect was scarcely what I expected, for the moonlight coming in by the great window on the grand staircase picked out everything in vivid black shadow or reticulated? 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 Oh, that that might be it. Reticulated. Reticulated. Constructed, arranged, or marked like a net or network. I picked out everything in vivid black shadow or reticulated silvery illumination. Everything seemed in its proper position. The house might have been deserted of the yesterday instead of twelve months ago. There were candles in the sockets of the sconces, and wherever dust had gathered on the carpets or upon the polished flooring was distributed so evenly as to be invisible to my candlelight. A waiting stillness was over everything. I was about to advance and stopped abruptly. A bronze group stood upon the landing hidden from me by a corner of the wall, but its shadow fell with marvelous distinctness upon the white paneling and gave me the impression of someone crouching to layway me. The thing jumped upon my attention suddenly. I stood rigid for a half a moment, perhaps, then, with my hand in the pocket that held the revolver, I advanced. Jesus! Why has he got a fucking gun? Oh, no. Now, if you show the... me a gun in Act 1. Yep. Yep. All right. The pocket that held the revolver, I advanced, only to discover a Ganymede and... An eagle? What's a Ganymede? I, I, Ganymede is the name. name. I know, in, in As You Like yep. It. He, <laughs> um... She, I guess, in she she took the name Ganymede from Greek mythology. Yeah. Um, is it it's some sort of creature? Ganymede is a divine hero whose homeland was Troy. Homer describes Ganymede as the most beautiful of mortals, abducted by the gods to serve as Zeus's cupbearer in Olympus. Oh, all right. Uh, I'm not going to take the time to read this entire entry, but many of the images I'm finding of Ganymede are pictures of him with a bird of some kind. Cool. Then, with my hand in the pocket that held the revolver, I advanced only to discover a Ganymede and eagle glistening in the moonlight. That incident for a time restored my nerve, and a dim porcelain Chinese man on a buell table whose head rocked as I passed, scarcely startled me. <laughs> it's like Old a school bobblehead. That's real weird. The door of the red room and the steps up to it were in a shadowy corner. I moved my candle from side to side in order to see clearly the nature of the recess in which I stood before opening the door. Here it was, I thought, that my predecessor was found, Oh, no. Someone committed suicide in there. Twist. Uh-oh. And it was a year ago. Because he said 12 months. It doesn't seem like it's been 12 months. So it's On like, this night of all, all nights. nights. It's the night it happened. Oh, shit. Twist. <laughs> all right. 
Here it was, I thought, my predecessor was found, and the memory of that story gave me a sudden twinge of apprehension. I glanced over my shoulder at the black Ganymede in the moonlight, and opened the door to the red room rather hastily, with my face half-turned to the pallid silence of the corridor. Every time I say red room, I seriously think of Twin Peaks and that <laughs> fucking fucked up weird ass red room. <laughs> All curtains. And a dancing. And a dancing little, little person. person. And, and a, everyone talks a, backwards well, for some reason. And the girl that they've like Laura. Yep. Is sitting there. It's just fucking weird. Yep. <laughs> All right. I entered, closed the door behind me at once, turned the key I found in the lock within, and stood with the candle held aloft, surveying the scene of my vigil, the great red room of Lorraine Castle, in which the young duke had died, or rather in which he had begun his dying. What? <laughs> oh, no. For he had opened the door and fallen headlong down the steps I had just ascended. That had been the end of his vigil, of his gallant attempt to conquer the ghostly tradition of the place. And never, I thought, had apoplexy better served the ends of superstition. Hmm. Define apoplexy. Unconsciousness or incapacity resulting from a cerebral hemorrhage or stroke. Fuck. Okay. Um, okay, so his colleague, the Duke, had gone into the Red Room to try and conquer this spirit that is apparently in there, and he stumbled out of the room, fell down the fucking stairs, and had a stroke. Yes, or possibly had a stroke, stumbled out of the room, the and stairs. fell down the stairs, yeah. Okay. There were other and older stories that clung to the room, back to the half-incredible beginnings of it all, the tale of a timid wife and the tragic end that came to her husband's jest of frightening her. Oh, oops. And looking round that huge shadowy room with its black window bays, its recesses and alcoves, its dusty brown-red hangings, and dark gigantic furniture, one could well understand the legends that had sprouted in its black corners, its germinating darknesses. My candle was a little tongue of light in the vastness of the chamber. It ray... My... <laughs> My my cundle. <laughs> Don't make me meow you out. <laughs> I didn't even mean to say it. My candle was a little tongue of light in the vastness of the chamber. Its rays failed to pierce the opposite end of the room and left an ocean of dull red mystery and suggestion. Sentinel shadows and watching darknesses beyond its island of light and the stillness of desolation brooded over it all. <laughs> Linus scared. I must confess some impalpable quality of that ancient room disturbed me. Well, good, you're a human. I tried to fight the feeling down. I resolved to make my systematic examination of the place and so by leaving nothing to the imagination dispel the fanciful suggestions of the obscurity before they obtained a hold upon me 
After satisfying myself of the fastening of the door, I began to walk round the room, peering round each article of furniture, tucking up the valances of the bed, and opening its curtains wide. In one place there was a distinct echo to my footsteps. The noises I made seemed so little that they enhanced rather than broke the silence of the place. I pulled up the blinds and examined the fastenings of the several windows. Attracted by the fall of a particle of dust, I leaned forward and looked up the blackness of the wide chimney. Then, trying to preserve my scientific attitude of mind, I walked round and began tapping the oak paneling for any secret openings. But I desisted before reaching the alcove. I saw my face in a mirror. White. Oh, he's, he's realizing he's a white person for the first time. <laughs> that is scary. <laughs> I've never seen my reflection before. <laughs> I'm white. Wow. Good Lord. Oh, that's why life's been so easy for me. <laughs> there were two big mirrors in the room, each with a pair of sconces bearing candles, and on the mantel shelf, too, were candles and china candlesticks. All these I lit one after the other. The fire was laid, an unexpected consideration from the old housekeeper, and I lit it to keep down any disposition to shiver, and when I was burning well... Not when you were burning well, when it was burning well. <laughs> I lit it to avoid getting cold. cold. And then I lit and myself And then I fire. jumped in to avoid getting cold. <laughs> and when I was all on fire to avoid getting cold, <laughs> I died. <laughs> and so ends the story. Apparently this room is haunted. Yep. Oops. <laughs> the fire was laid, an unexpected consideration from the old housekeeper. And I lit it to keep down any disposition to shiver, and when it was burning well, I stood round with my back to it and regarded the room again. I had pulled up the chintz-covered armchair to a table to form a kind of barricade before me. Why would you build a barricade if you're not scared? <laughs> He's lying. On this lay my revolver, ready to hand. My precise examination had done me a little good, but I still found the remoter darkness of the place and its perfect stillness too stimulating for the imagination. <clears throat> the echoing of the stir and crackling of the fire was no sort of comfort to me. The shadow in the alcove at the end of the room began to display that undefinable quality of a presence— that odd suggestion of a lurking living thing that comes so easily in silence and solitude. And to reassure myself, I walked with a candle into it and satisfied myself that there was nothing tangible there. I stood that candle upon the floor of the alcove and left it in that position. Not a bad idea. Nope. Spread out the fire. <laughs> Light up that room. By this time, I was in a state of considerable nervous tension, although to my reason, there was no adequate cause for my condition. My mind, however, was perfectly clear. I postulated quite unreservedly that nothing supernatural could happen, and to pass the time, I began stringing some rhymes together. <laughs> I just imagine him sitting here, like, beatboxing and, like, hip-hop rhyming. <laughs> 
He's like, here I am, alone in this dark room. I am not going to turn it into a tomb. All right. <laughs> never, ever do that ever again. I'm sorry, Lin-Manuel Miranda. Also, I'm sorry, everyone with ears. <laughs> My name is Frazier, and I'm here to say... The Red Room is real scary today. This day of all days, said the old lady. And she put on a... <laughs> then she put on a diaper to pee. <laughs> you, you, you couldn't even go with, and then she put a spooky hex on me? <laughs> well, he's so mean to old people. I thought he, he would definitely, if Fraser was rhyming... He'd definitely go for the old lady pee joke. Yeah. <laughs> sure. I love that we've just named this guy Fraser. Although not, I like, I really, I think the old lady pee joke is the joke that you would go for. I mean, I can only be myself. I think he would probably go more for a joke along the lines of... of opera? Um, <laughs> Sherry? No, I feel like if he was gonna if he was gonna insult the old lady, he'd make a joke about her smelling like boxed white wine. Uh, <laughs> you know, yes. not yeah. not peeing in a diaper. <laughs> uh, okay, where was I? Uh, Fraser was rapping. Oh yeah, he was laying rhymes. Yeah, he he decided to string together some rhymes. Yes, I began to stringing some rhymes together. <laughs> In Goldsby fashion, what? Goldsby is his favorite rapper. <laughs> it is capitalized. Yeah. I'm, I'm assuming it's, Goldsby- not the, it's not the beginning of a sentence either. In Goldsby fashion. In Goldsby oh, is no. a small village in South Kestevan district of Lincolnshire, England. Lincolnshire, yeah. Uh, also, the Ingoldsby legends is a collection of myths, legends, ghost stories, and poetry Ah. written supposedly by Thomas Inglesby of Tappington Manor, actually the pen name of English clergyman Richard Harris Barham. So yeah, it's it's a bunch of um, poems poems and ghost stories. Oh, sweet. Okay, so he wants to spin some rhymes in that style. So he's dropping some sick beats Edgar Allan Poe style. I'm going to go back to the beginning (laughs) of that sentence to read the whole thing. I postulated quite unreservedly that nothing supernatural could happen, and to pass the time I began stringing some rhymes together in Goldsby fashion concerning the original legend of the place. A few I spoke aloud, but the echoes were not pleasant. <laughs> he didn't like hearing himself spitting rhymes. D- didn't, didn't like the sound of his own voice. I get it, dude. I don't I don't like watching recordings of myself either. I know, but I love that he's like, I began stringing some rhymes together, and I heard it, and it was terrible. <laughs> but the echoes were not pleasant. For the same reason, I also abandoned, after a time, a conversation with myself. <laughs> Uh-oh. This is this is going down quick. <laughs> After a time, a conversation with myself upon the impossibility of ghosts and haunting. Nothing says I'm not afraid of this room like, no, no, there's no such thing as ghosts. Saying no, it mean, out loud to yourself. There can't be. And to prove it to you, 
I'm going to sit here perfectly calmly while I hold my revolver and write impromptu poetry about how there are no ghosts here. And build a barricade around me and put a candle in every corner because I swear there's something watching me. I'm sane. I promise I'm sane. Totally fine, everybody. My mind reverted to the three old and distorted people downstairs, and I tried to keep it upon that topic. He's like, now he's going to talk shit about the old people. The somber reds and grays of the room troubled me. Even with its seven candles, the place was merely dim. The light in the alcove flaring in a draft and the fire flickering kept the shadows and penumbra perpetually shifting and stirring in a noiseless flighty dance. Casting about for a remedy, I recalled the wax candles I had seen in the corridor, and with a slight effort carrying a candle and leaving the door open, I walked out into the moonlight and presently returned with as many as ten. These I put in various knickknacks of china with which the room was sparsely adorned and lit and placed them where the shadows had lain deepest, some on the floor, some in the window recesses, arranging and rearranging them until at last my seventeen candles were so placed that not an inch of the room had had the direct light of at least one of them. So he has now had he has now lit seventeen candles, so the room is well lit. There are no shadows. No shadows. It occurred to me that when the ghost came, I could warn him not to trip over them. <laughs> so he's saying the ghost is probably just a person that's fucking with people. The room was now quite brightly illuminated. There was something very cheering and reassuring in these little silent streaming flames, and to notice their steady diminution of length offered me an occupation and gave me a reassuring sense of the passage of time. Diminu- diminution? Diminution. Yeah, they got smaller. They got smaller. Like, they slowly... It's like as, watching as- the... the, the it's like watching the second hand on your watch. Yeah. Yep. It's it's the, the nighttime equivalent of watching paint dry. Yeah. So, watching wax melt. Yeah. Very naked and afraid, Mom. Like, I'm just watching this thing drip. If you haven't caught on, we've been binging naked and afraid XL. <laughs> and so... Is it morning yet? Is it morning yet? Is it morning? I can't fucking sleep. Is I'm it morning cold. yet? I'm cold. I'm <laughs> cold. God damn it. A scorpion stung my ass. Even with that, however, the brooding expectation of the vigil weighed heavily enough upon me. I stood watching the minute hand on my watch creep towards midnight. There it is. God, he's got a long way to go if it's not even midnight. Then something happened in the alcove. I did not see the candle go out. I simply turned and saw that the darkness was there as one might start and see the unexpected presence of a stranger. The black shadow had sprung back in its place. By Jove, I said aloud. (laughs) Yeah, you did. Yeah, you did. By Jove, I said aloud, recovering from my surprise. That draft's a strong one. And taking the matchbox from the table, I walked across the room in a leisurely manner to relight the corner again. My first match would not strike. 
And as I succeeded with the second, something seemed to blink on the wall before me. I turned my head involuntarily and saw that the two candles on the little table by the fireplace were extinguished. I rose at once to my feet. Odd, I said. Did I do that myself in a flash of absent-mindedness? Did I do that? <laughs> I walked back, relit one, and as I did so, I saw the candle in the right sconce of one of the mirrors wink and go right out. And almost immediately, its companion followed it. The flames vanished as if the wick had been suddenly nipped between a finger and a thumb, leaving the wick neither glowing nor smoking, but black. When I stood gaping the candle at the foot of the... <laughs> gaping. <laughs> My asshole released gaping as all these candles went out. When I stood gaping the candle at the foot, there's not a there's not an, uh, an apost or there's not a comma and there should be. While I stood gaping, the candle at the foot of the bed went out and the shadows seemed to take another step towards me. <laughs> That's a very important uh, uh, missing uh, bit of punctuation there. <laughs> well, I stood gaping the candle at the foot of the bed. <laughs> Well, instead of reacting by dropping his jaw open... He just released his butthole. He doesn't go, <gasps> with his mouth. That's all. Nah, he goes... <laughs> I farted with shock. It happens. And a little, little poop, poop came, came out. out. <laughs> it's going to be a long night. This won't do, said I. The first one and then another candle on the mantel shelf followed. What's up? I cried. What up? What's up? <laughs> Keeping the 90s alive. And I say, hey, 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 what's going on in the red room? What's up? I cried with a queer high note hitting into my voice somehow. <laughs> well, there it is. It's, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> At that, the candle on the corner of the wardrobe went out. And the one I had relit in the alcove followed. Steady on, I said. Those candles are wanted. Speaking with a half hysterical fastidiousness and scratching away at a match the while. For the mantle candlesticks. He's just shouting into the world. No, I want those lit, you stupid non-spooky thing that's putting them out. These are like inverse trick candles. Instead of you can't blow them out, you can't fucking you can't light them. keep them, them lit. My hands trembled so much that twice I missed the rough paper of the matchbox. As the mantle emerged from darkness again, two candles in the remoter end of the room were eclipsed. But with the same match, I also relit the larger mirror candles and those on the floor near the doorway so that for the moment I seemed to gain on the, extinct on the extinctions. At the moment, I seem to gain on the extinctions. Now he's lighting them faster than they're going out. But then in a noiseless volley, there vanished four lights at once in different corners of the room. And I struck another match in quivering haste and stood hesitating whither to take it. Which corner? Yep. As I stood undecided, an invisible hand seemed to sweep out the two candles on the table. 
With a cry of terror, I dashed at the alcove, then into the corner, and then into the window, relighting three as two more vanished by the fireplace, and then, perceiving a better way, I dropped matches on the iron-bound deed box in the corner and caught up the bedroom candlestick. With this, I avoided the delay of striking matches, but for all that the steady process of extinction went on, and the shadows I feared and fought against returned and crept in upon me, first a step gained on this side of me, then on that. I was now almost frantic with horror of the coming darkness, and my self-possession deserted me. I leaped, panting from candle to candle in a vain struggle against that remorseless advance. I bruised myself in the thigh against the table. I sent a chair headlong. I stumbled and fell and whisked the cloth from the table in my fall. My candle rolled away from me, and I snatched another as I rose. Abruptly, this was blown out, and as I swung it off the table by the wind of my sudden movement, and immediately the two remaining candles followed. But there was light still in the room. A red light that streamed across the ceiling and staved off the shadows from me. They do rent by the hour. The fire, of course. I could still thrust my candle between the bars and relight it. I turned to where the flames were still dancing between the glowing coals and splashing red reflections upon the furniture, made two steps towards the grate, and incontinently the flames dwindled and vanished. The glow vanished, the reflections rushed together and disappeared, and as I thrust the candle between the bars, darkness closed upon me like the shutting of an eye, wrapping around me in a shifting embrace, sealed my vision, and crushed the last vestiges of self-possession from my brain. It was not only palpable darkness, but intolerable terror. The candle fell from my hands. I flung out my arms in a vain effort to thrust that ponderous blackness away from me, and lifting my voice, screamed with all my might once, twice, thrice. Then I think I must have staggered to my feet. I know I thought suddenly of the moonlit corridor, and with my head bowed and my arms over my face, made a stumbling run for the door. But I had forgotten the exact position of the door, and I struck myself heavily against the corner of the bed. I staggered back, turned, and was either struck or struck myself against some other bulky furnishing. I have a vague memory of battering myself thus to and fro in the darkness, of a heavy blow at last upon my forehead, of a horrible sensation of falling that lasted an age, of my last frantic effort to keep my footing, and then I remember no more. I opened my eyes in daylight. My head was roughly bandaged, and the man with the withered hand was watching my face. I looked about me trying to remember what had happened, and for a space I could not recollect. I rolled my eyes into the corner and saw the old woman, no longer abstracted, no longer terrible, pouring out some drops of medicine from a little blue vial into a glass. "'Where am I?' I said. "'I seem to remember you, and yet I cannot remember who you are.' They told me then, and I heard of the haunted red room as one who hears a tale. 
We found you at dawn, said he, and there was blood on your forehead and lips. I wondered that I had ever disliked him. The three of them in the daylight seemed commonplace old folk enough. <laughs> the man with the green shade had his head bent as one who sleeps. It was very slowly I recovered the memory of my experience. You believe now, said the old man with the withered hand, that the room is haunted. He spoke no longer as one who greets an intruder, but as one who condoles with a friend. Yes, said I, the room is haunted. And you have seen it. And we who have been here all our lives have never set eyes upon it, because we have never dared. Tell us, is it truly the Earl who— No, said I, it is not. I told you so, said the old lady with a glass in her hand. It is his poor young countess who was frightened. It is not, I said. There is neither ghost of Earl nor ghost of countess in that room— there is no ghost there at all, but worse, far worse, something impalpable. Well, they said, the worst of all things that haunts poor mortal men, said I, and that is, in all its nakedness, fear. <laughs> Naked and afraid! Naked and afraid! <laughs> oh no, yep. it comes full circle! That's about right. <clears throat> Fear that will not have light nor sound, that will not bear with reason, that deafens and darkness and overwhelms. It followed me through the corridor. It fought against me in the room. I stopped abruptly. There was an interval of silence. My hands went up to my bandages. The candles went out one after another, and I fled. Then the man with the shade lifted his face sideways to see me and spoke. "'That is it,' said he. "'I knew that was it. A power of darkness. To put such a curse upon a home, it lurks there always. You can feel it even in the daytime, even in a bright summer's day, in the hangings, in the curtains, keeping behind you however you face about.' In the dusk, it creeps into the corridor and follows you, so that you dare not turn. It is even as you say, fear itself is in that room, black fear, and there it will be, so long as this house of sin endures. The end. <laughs> nice. Holy shit. Nice. Okay. Okay, so... Another story about fear as a motivating factor. Uh, this, is a th this is a theme this month, apparently. Yep. Um, I, it's probably because we're watching Naked and Afraid. <laughs> <laughs> Nakedness, fear. <laughs> All right, H.G. Wells. Continuing to do well for us. Uh, enjoying the imagery, for sure. Yep. Um, he is fun to read. It's the first one I've read. Of H.G. Wells. Yes, because the other two we did were The Star, yeah. which I read, and The Magic Shop, yeah. which I read. Yeah. No, he's fun to read. Yeah. He, he uses a lot of alliteration and uh, very descriptive, which I tend to like get really excited about when I'm reading. I'm like painting a picture for the listener. Yeah. So, yeah, that's 
Yeah, writes, writes good characters, too. Yeah. The revolver did not get used. Nope. I wonder where it is. Is there a part two? <laughs> the Red Room, part two. The revolver. Oh, it's like a game of Clue. Yeah. In the Red Room, Frasier with the revolver. <laughs> um, no, you know what it is. Um, what's his name? Kyle McLaughlin will, uh, a century later, find the revolver in the Red Room yep. and use it to fight off the dancing little person. Yep. Because we still have to watch the... Or, or possibly kill another version of himself. Or kill another version of... Of Laura, Laura Palmer. Palmer. We haven't seen the reboot, so maybe that all gets answered. Haven't seen the movie or the reboot, so... Yeah. <laughs> maybe that all has some answers. I don't know. I don't know. Where we left it, they were just dancing in the red room yeah, talking it was backwards. Very <laughs> creepy and weird. Um, permission to bring up some more old business. Yeah. Great. Um, I have finally gotten around to building our winner's wall yeah! for True Crimes and a Lie. Yeah. Uh, so that is up on our website. You can go to campfireclassicspodcast.com and click the little tab that says winner's wall and it will bring you to the list of all of the people who have successfully guessed the correct story in True Crimes and a Lie. So far, that list is three people. Our wall has three bricks. Uh, Heather. I'm on it. <laughs> and uh, Dana and Nydia from Wine, Wine Dine Story, Story Time. Time. Uh, so you can go there, see the winner's wall, bask in their victorious glory. Um, <laughs> and you can also there find links to the the website of whoever. And who, our Patreon if you want to see Ken without a shirt on. And yes, you can <laughs> you can also while at the website, there's not a link to our Patreon at the Winner's Wall, but while at the website, you can also yeah. follow links there and such. But anyway, congratulations to them for uh for kicking uh, for kicking butt. For, kicking butt. for seeing through your bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> um also old news that we didn't bring up. Uh we were uh surprised by being listed with some amazing podcasts uh, by Podchaser, uh, which is a great uh, website for finding podcasts and like reviewing them. You can give reviews there the way you do for uh, Apple Podcasts. Um, so if you're on Podchaser, we were added to a bingeable podcast of March 2021. And it's like kind of the first three months wrap up. Yeah. Uh, and we were on that list with like Zach Braff's podcast and uh, Jonathan Van Ness from Queer Eye, his podcast. Like we were very surprised and very honored. So yeah. uh, if you want to check out podchaser.com, we're on there. Give us a review there. I'll, and I'll probably add a link to that. Yeah. Um, and it's on our link tree. It's on our little link tree page. Yeah. So but I'll probably I'll probably add a link to that in our um, yeah. episode info blurby thingy blurb thing yeah you yeah. know show notes that thing that thing i well i hesitate to call it show notes because i never really leave any notes about the show no we it's, just kind of make uh quick, just sort of make, comments I and make, of fun, make of us, fun of the episode of us yeah, yeah which as we we don't take each other very seriously and, and if then, you haven't caught on to that and, and then add a couple of links to anyone who might be a guest or yeah or promoted or whatever um but i mean so a lot of shit happened this week. So yeah. yay on us. Good week. Yay. We were very busy. Yeah. Busy times. Happy days. Everyone Monday, stay healthy. Tuesday, happy days. Wednesday, Thursday, happy, happy days. days. Friday, Saturday, happy days. Sunday, fun day. Yeah, did that wrong. 
Yep. Sunday, Monday, happy days. <laughs> I Tuesday, fixed it. Wednesday, I fixed happy it. days. It's okay. Uh, <laughs> I never really watched Happy Days. I did on Nick at Night, but now Friends is on Nick at Night because we're old. <laughs> yeah. That's upsetting. That's upsetting. Well, thank you for listening. If you're still listening, we like to do this thing. If you're still listening, just uh, email us happy days. <laughs> email the words happy days or send it on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, whatever. Yeah, we actually got a couple of emails <laughs> from a couple episodes ago. It just ago. said furry. just said furry. And like the first one that came in, I was like, what the fuck what is uh... I didn't even I didn't even <laughs> respond right away to the first one that came through. I was like, what the fuck? Oh, that's right. I, oh. I forgot we did that. Wait, so we're going to start doing that. So you got to listen to the end. So happy days. Send us happy days if you're still listening to this nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I think that's everything. Uh, Yeah. So that's all from us. Thank you so much for listening to the insanity that has been this episode until ring. next week this has been campfire classics where we try to read those books that look really good on your shelf in west philadelphia born and raised on the playground is where i spent most of my days i'm spitting rhymes